Hey everyone, welcome back to the Enduring Churches podcast. This is Trent Young. I'm here with Alan Small and we are guys who care about ministry. We care about ministers and we care about churches and we we try to talk every week about some things that are going on in different churches and uh, maybe some things for you to think about. And I know, Alan, we've been talking over the last year or so about decreases in uh, church attendance and how to deal with that. Um, but we kind of want to flip-flop this around just a little bit today, don't we? And, you know, is it possible that a church could begin a new service and reach some new people? What do you think, Alan? Yeah, what a great topic. It's good to be optimistic for a change, right? Let's do something that's optimistic. Yeah. I know we see other spikes and, and all kinds of things going on, and I know there's fears of more shutdowns in the future. But let's talk about some positive things. And the positive side of this is opportunities um, for ministry have been increasing. And what are we going to do with the opportunities that God has uh, placed in front of us? And how do you know? That's a good question, Trent. How do you know when it is time to start um, a second a second service? It, it, there was a point in time in a day when, oh, look, there's nowhere for anyone to sit. So we have to start a second service. If you wait until that point today, you probably waited way, way, way too long. Yeah, I think you're right, Alan. Uh, you know, it's it, it used to be all about um, capacity, and I think that capacity number has changed. And it's it's I don't know. You and I were just talking a moment ago about is it the same for every church? And you know, uh, pre-COVID, we used to be thought of as Hey, people will only fill up about eighty percent of your of your building and your capacity. Um, do you think that that's the same now, or or has that changed because of the last year we've been through? Well, let's think about capacity for a minute. When you go to a restaurant right now, you know, is it a a hundred percent capacity? Probably not. And if it, even if it is, it's probably not the same capacity it was before COVID. You know, everything has changed and the landscape has changed um, because of, of COVID. So capacity is not what capacity used to be. If the fire marshal says you can have so many people in there, you're probably not going to try to squish that many people in there. So let's let's maybe we should change the term, Trent. So maybe the first thing to think about is, are you at practical capacity, which would be a different number? True. And, you know, we were also talking before we started recording this today that uh, based on where you're at, um, location, um, larger cities, maybe your church is based in a larger city, uh, that may be a totally different number or different feel than it would be uh, where I minister to a lot of churches in uh, rural settings. And it seems like people have a different attitude about COVID and, uh, you know, there's still the, the worry about COVID, but uh, it seems like it's different in different locations. Yeah, and it can be different based on the demographics of your um, congregation, too. Um, is your congregation mostly younger? Is it mostly older? Is it, is it more mixed? Where, what's the makeup of your congregations? Probably a, a lot of factors play into it. I've heard a prominent speaker say that that in his mind, practical capacity has gone from that 80% number where if you're at 80% of your seating capacity, you need to start a second service to maybe that number 60% now. 
I would say it's probably anywhere in any given circumstance between 60 and, and 80 percent. But whenever you you are at that practical capacity and I wish I could give you a firm number today, but I can't. But ask yourself, are, are people coming in and looking around and thinking there's nowhere to see sit, to sit and looking frustrated? If that's the case, then then you're probably up on getting up on that that practical capacity number. Yeah, and you know, Alan, I was just thinking too that there were a lot of churches that began uh, extra services in the first six months of COVID and the and the shutdown and are people just coming back? I know our church did. Um, we started a service just so that we would be able to give people extra room, um, and we set up our chairs differently, set up around tables and things like that, but. Um, we went back to just the one service after a while and and maybe it would have been good for us to continue on with the two services uh, and so maybe that's something that might figure into people's thinking now too yeah that's a great point because many churches did make that make that switch so what's the rationale for going back to one think through think think through all that all the possibilities there so you're at practical capacity another reason you might want to add, add a second service is um, so you can meet a different audience um, at a different at a different time. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we think about the people that are used to coming at whatever service time yours is, and and um, you know it used to be okay, eleven o'clock on Sunday. That's going to be church time. But there's a whole bunch of people that that their work schedule doesn't allow them to come during that time. I used to meet every Sunday morning, I'd meet some people at the local um, gas station where I always stopped to get my breakfast burrito before I went to, to get ready for church. And you know, they, these ladies, they're super awesome. And, but they were like, well, we don't get off until after church is over. So what can we do? And I, I was visiting with a lady here in the town just north of us the other day. She has a restaurant. And Sunday mornings, she's getting, she's prepping, you know, she's getting ready. And so she does watch one of the local churches. She loves one of the local pastors and she watches him every Sunday. Um, so, you know, maybe starting another service time would allow us to reach to some of those people that couldn't come at 11 o'clock on Sunday. Yeah, so it just allows you to reach a, another audience. Maybe it's an er, an early riser audience. Maybe in your community where you have a lot of early risers, and you can start an earlier service, or maybe it's a Sunday night service, or maybe it's a Thursday night service. Wh who knows? Who knows? Whatever it is, and who says that that second service too has to be live and in person? That may be just a, a specific um, online service that is as preached directly to people online. I was listening to a podcast Trent this week about, about um, our interactions online as pastors and how some of them, it just has a different feel when you're talking to someone online versus when you're um, talking to, to a live congregation. And so many churches have now opted to create a special online service. And so you could make your online service, you're, you're always available anytime service that that meets people who cannot come in person right well and that gives you an opportunity to record your sermon and uh you know share it at a different time um 
and you're right, it is different when it's online. And, you know, there's a lot of our, especially our smaller churches, which we, we have, you know, a connection with smaller churches. And I, I feel like they think, well, this topic doesn't really apply to me. And I think it really does, especially what Alan just got through saying about um, an online service. It doesn't have to be Sunday at 11 at the normal time. Make it, you know, a different day of the week when maybe you've got a, a business in your community that everybody gets off work at a certain time on a certain day, you know, 30 minutes after that. Do your online thing and, uh, you know, be creative. Don't be limited by a certain day and time. Yeah, your church can have a bigger footprint than you ever dreamed imaginable today. And, and that's, you're going to reach people that other people can't reach, whether it's a, someone's family member, their, their cousin who doesn't go to church, but met you one time and, and connects and they listen to that church service because they'd never found one in their own town that they like. And we could say that, well, that's not good. They need to connect. Well, maybe they do, but you're who they're connecting with right now. So let's, mm -hmm. let's leverage those for the good that they can accomplish. So you can meet right. a different audience um, at a different time. Um, sometimes people start uh, will start churches because they want to create a new worship uh, feel or a new worship style um, in a service. Trent, I know you've 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 seen that. Oh yeah, there was a pastor in Oklahoma that I was good friends with, or still am good friends with. I hope, uh, and and they did that. They had three services. You know, they had a traditional service which was more based around hymns. Um, the traditional music, I, I guess you could say. And then they had a, a more um, modern type service with praise music. But then they also started a third one that was based around bluegrass. And they had a group of guys that loved to play bluegrass music in their church. And they found this was a great opportunity to give these guys a chance to, to use their gifts and it reached a whole different group that uh, they, they never expected. And that that third service ended up having some of the best attendance of any of them. Uh, hey, you bring out the banjo, you got a, you got a crowd, that's for sure. So, that's right. <laughs> um, you know, I, I, I think that it's a good thing for the most part. I, I, I understand the reasons and I understand the rationales. And, and I've seen that. I know many, many, many churches have started a second service to add in usually a contemporary service where there was no contemporary service. I've seen it go back the other way in, in rare occasions, um, but I've seen that a lot. But I do think there's a question I, I, I would caution to ask on this one. And so this is my, this is um, Alan's caveat. And so Trent, you can kind of give, <laughs> give your, your thoughts on this, but I, I wanted to just share this as a question. My question to pastors who start for this reason though, is it, are you trying to avoid conflict or are you looking at an opportunity to meet needs? And and my take on that is if you're just doing it because you don't want to deal with the conflict, then that's to me, that's not a good enough reason. If you feel like there's needs and you're not meeting those needs and you're longing to meet the needs that are there, that's a different story. And, and I know that that seems like maybe they're part of the same issue, but to me, they're not the same issue. And, and I think that you have to think through that. Right. And, you know, that's been the what they call the worship wars for a long, long time. People are like, well, we don't want to do this. And I think that that's not as big a deal anymore. And even the, the older folks are 
they're hearing worship music on the radio a lot more. And so they're used to that. And I will tell you, Alan, our church in Oklahoma, and I've noticed the churches here in Missouri, they are doing, you know, instead of having conflict, they've done a blended service. And I think that's a better way to approach it. If you're, if you're just trying to avoid conflict, then, then work toward a blended service. And then that way, nobody's happy. Right. Um, <laughs> so, uh, but it, it's worked out well for the churches that I've seen is to do a blended service. And that way everybody gets something that they enjoy. And it's a good opportunity. If you're just trying to avoid conflict about um, hymns, if you start teaching the stories of the hymns and what was going on when those were written, the people, especially younger people, will get into them more than the older people will. And so don't don't just do a service just to avoid conflict and say, okay, this group has their time and a different group has their time because your church will, won't be healthy. It just won't. No. And that's something we'll, we'll come back to in a little bit. But when you, people say, oh, if you start two services, we'll be two churches. That's when you create that situation. And it, and it usually comes because you're just trying to avoid conflict and not embrace the conversation of why you need to make change. And, and I just feel that that's an important topic. It's not that it's necessarily wrong, but the rationale behind it needs to be, in my mind, extremely clear. So thanks for letting me jump on that one just a little yeah. bit. And I've, I've seen churches uh, start a second service. In fact, I was talking with someone just a couple of weeks ago about th this very reason. You want to create more preaching opportunities for other pastors. Mm -hmm. I think this is a great thing, Alan. Um, you and I love to um, develop young leaders. And, and when we're doing that, you've got to give them opportunities to share. I think that is a great, great deal. And not only preaching, but... Um, hopefully you've got some musicians that are learning and they need opportunities to, to go and do stuff. And both of those, they're going to mess up, but a church is supposed to be a safe place to, uh, to serve the Lord and, and worship. So I think that's a great deal. Yeah. So those are some of the reasons that, that we've seen, that, um, you know, you, you start a second service. I'd say the most prominent reason is probably your practical capacity Probably the second most common reason has to do something with worship style, if, if we're honest about that. But a couple of those other reasons, you, you want to help reach a different audience at a different time or create more opportunities. and Maybe it's a combination of all of those things. And so those are some great reasons to consider one. But there are some things you need to think about if you're, if you're going to do this. So um, what's, the, what's the first thing that people need to think about, Trent? Well, I think this is really important that you, you've got to do this, uh, giving people time to kind of understand and process. And I think that along with that, time is a lot of communication and a lot of listening. I think those, those three things have to be a big part of the process as you plan um, and allowing people to be part of that, I think, will help them to be on board. Yeah, it's, it's amazing the resistance. If you've always had one service, the resistance you'll get to adding two. But if you've ever gone from two to three, the resistance in going to a third is, is hardly noticeable. Um, but it's that resistance of going from one to two can be quite painful for a lot of people because the church they've always loved, they recognize they will not see all the same people every week. 
that they're accustomed to seeing that some of the people that they know and admire and respect and enjoy seeing, um, they're not going to see those anymore. And so if you have like a contemporary service and a, a traditional service, many of your older folks are not going to see many of your younger people oftentimes. That's a painful reality for many people right. um, in, in our churches. And so how do you communicate that and, and, and how, how, how do you do that? So give people time and communication and explain those rationales um, that, that are behind it. You know, yeah. Trent, do, do you need to do this when we do this? Is it important that you just go in with a predetermined thing? We're going to do this forever. Well, no, I don't think so. And, you know, on the, our previous point, too, um, you know, as you start that process, as you talk about this and people are worried that they're not going to see their friends they're not going to see their kids or whatever, you've got to put in as part of the planning, not only just a worship service, but you've got to include other opportunities to have fellowship. You've got to give them opportunities to see their friends, to see their kids. Uh, to do things together as a church, maybe that means a missions opportunity. Maybe that means a, a whole different time, maybe a breakfast together or, or dinner together. Uh, you kind of got to think through that. And, and all of these things, just as Alan was kind of alluding to, is we, we, unfortunately, in churches, we start things and we think, okay, this is, we're going to be doing this forever and ever. And nobody ever says, no, it's okay for that to die. You know, so it's okay for you to start something and say, hey, we're going to do this for six months and see how it is. And we're going to evaluate if it if it's not good, then we don't have to keep doing it. So I think a trial basis is a good thing. Yeah, you need to try it long enough to really get a good feel for it. You know, um, you may try something for three months in the summer, but even three months in the summer is probably not a long enough trial over to really get a long-term feel because you need to go through non-summer months with something. So whether it's six months or a year, give something like some kind of like trial effort and say, we can always change. We, we're, we don't, we don't have to stay with this, but let's try this. And I've always been of the mentality. I'd rather try and fail than never try at all. And so if we try, and I'll give you an example. In, in the last church I pastored, um, we, we created a second service, and we did a Saturday night service. So we had Saturday night and Sunday. Um, but then when we had more education space, we wanted to concentrate on our Sunday morning education. So we moved the Saturday service back into Sunday. Well, there were some people I, could, I just couldn't help them out because we were only doing Sunday then. Um, and so I lost some in that process, and I gained others in the process. And that was hard, and that was actually kind of kind of painful, but you have to think through because we were not at a point where we could do three. And that's the other thing you have to think about. Do you have the volunteer team needed um, to, to carry it out? It is not just a preacher getting up and preaching. There is a lot more that goes into it than that. Yeah, and you've got to, you've got to realize, uh, take stock, make a list of, of all the people that are involved on a Sunday service um, or whenever your service is, just make a list of all the jobs that have to be filled and all the positions that need somebody there and then say, okay, can I realistically do this and, and gain new people? Because you don't wanna just tell your people that are doing the job currently, okay, now I'm adding to your position. 
you've got to also do this second service or this third service. I don't think that's fair to them. And you're missing the opportunity to, uh, to get some new people involved in that too. So, um, you know, yeah, you got to make sure you know, that what count your costs before you start building, you know, and uh, include that as part of the, the conversation. So those are some things you do need to think about. You know, we just mentioned that the volunteers, make sure you've got the volunteers. Um, try to try it out for a trial trial basis. Take it out for a spin. See how it drives and all that, that stuff. <laughs> um, create opportunities inside um, for to keep the church unified, whether that's missions and stories and video and all those kinds of things. Um, give people time to process the change. And so we want you to think on those things before you decide to start that second service but um maybe it's time maybe in this opportunity it's a it's a great time for you to try something new so we would encourage you um to at least think on it and then maybe we've given you some good insight for for the when and why to start a second service so trent um you want to add anything else for us today yeah, we do want to encourage people to get in contact with us. Uh, maybe you have suggestions about this topic, or maybe you have a suggestion of another topic that you would like for us to talk about um, and get some insight you'd like to share with us. We want to hear that. Um, also, we, Alan and I, want to make sure that you understand we're available to visit with you and consult with you. Um, even outside of just a podcast, we'd love to get to visit with you and possibly even come to where you are, help you with your um, questions that you might have, get a fresh set of eyes uh, to look at things and, and give you some, some new possibilities. And, and so, Alan, how can, how can they contact us with that? Well, they can reach out to you, Trent, at Trent at EnduringChurches.Consulting. They can reach out to me at alan at enduringchurches.consulting, and that's just like it's spelled on the podcast, A-L-A-N. And they can also catch us um, at enduringchurches.com or .consulting. They can reach us. They can uh, reach us on our Facebook page at Enduring Churches. So we're trying to give you enough ways to get in touch with us that you can do that. I know we've got some suggestions on things that we can add in. Um, to our guest bags, uh, some things like magnets and some other things. So thankful for the comments that we received on that. We'll try to put those on our Facebook page so, so you can see those. Um, but we want you to reach out to us. Please let us know how we can help you and your church endure. That's what we're all about. And we want to thank you for taking time um, to join us. We've got some exciting things uh, coming up in as we get settled into our new positions, um, the cool part for us is we're now in the same time zone. So that's going to help us Yay. a lot. <laughs> it is already. Anyway, well, well thanks. thanks for joining us. Thanks for joining us, Trent. Go ahead and finish that out. <laughs> <laughs> that's what I was going to say, Alan. Don't be stealing my life. No, I'm excited that you've taken time with us today. We, we value your time and your attention. And uh, if we can do anything for you, please don't hesitate to get in touch with us. God bless, and I hope you endure.